y'all. Welcome to The Hue. We're here to illuminate the true stories of the exciting folks we encounter along the way. I'm your host, Jessica, and I'm here with our Folio studio director, Emily McNeil. Hey, guys. I just waved into the microphone. Yeah, well, I like waving at you. <laughs> hey, Jess. Hey, Em. So we are recording at Studio Co. with yeah. the Matt Black sound guys who are just, you know, keeping us smiling all day. I feel like when they walked in, I was like, okay, we're all going to just smile today. Yeah, they bring a good a good vibe. They have their flower masks on, which is very stylish. And they match. And they, they match. Their outfits match, too. So we had uh, we had a great day with some really fun interviews. First up, we had a friend of mine in here, Angela Wagner. And Angela is a yoga instructor and uh, has had her own yoga studio in Dallas since 2005. You attended her yoga training to be a yoga teacher yourself, right? Yeah, the yoga teacher that I'm not. But <laughs> Which you could be. <laughs> um, yeah, so I did. I did her first yoga teacher training, I think it was like 2009, and it was at her studio on Lemon, and it was really fun. Yeah, we had a great time. So Angela, um, Angela, it was a really great talk. We talked about wellness and yoga and sort of how do we have a yoga practice or maybe a meditation practice during this time when we are not so readily able to go to a studio. And we're all stressed. Yeah, <laughs> we're all stressed. So tune in, get your pencils out. We have her website. It's AngelaWagner.com. And from there, you can download yoga sport on demand and you can do yoga from your home hi Angela hey Jess so my friend Angela is here today you guys Angela Wagner and I met her we were just talking about this in 2005 so crazy how many years ago that's 15 years 15 years and you had you were one year into yoga sport Mm -hmm. on lemon my yeah. sister had found you, and she was like, you have to go to this yoga studio. This girl's amazing. She talks very real. That was how Jacqueline <laughs> described it. <laughs> it's so funny you say that because I was just working on some uh, branding yesterday, and one of my buckets of content is real talk. So I love that. <laughs> she was like, she, sometimes she cusses, and yeah. you know, and she just says it like it is. And I remember going to your class and being like, this is hard. And I remember you said to me, I'll never forget this. I, I said, Angela, I'm so sore. And you said, yeah, you really need to try to come three days a week for a couple of weeks. And then that gets better. Yeah. And I was thinking three days of this. Yeah, and it sounds it, awful, but it's not. But then it becomes this incredible thing. Yeah. That you can't. It's like addictive. Yeah, it really is. All those good, happy chemicals that come out of yoga. Mm hmm. So why do you call it yoga sport? I don't know if I've ever asked you that. Oh, so this is a funny story. A lot, most people assume incorrectly because they don't know the backstory, of course. Um, so pre-yoga sport, I was a trainer, a personal trainer and a fitness teacher, a yoga teacher at the gyms and just kind of all over. And one of my friends who was a coach at the YMCA with me, um, he was starting up a business, which he still has called Tri Play. And it's actually, I think, kind of in your, well, it's in Lakewood. Okay. Anyway, he was a triathlete coach and everything. And he said, you know, one thing that there isn't a niche for in yoga is for athletes. And since I was already kind of working with athletes and I was going to partner with him, um, we had this great idea. So that's actually why we called it yoga sport. But that sort of fell apart for a lot of different reasons, mainly because what I figured out pretty quickly is that people that are 
you know, true runners and athletes and stuff, their main focus is their sport. Mm -hmm. And yoga is just going to be a side thing they do. They're not going to be the like five times a week. They're not going to be my bread and butter. So it didn't quite make sense. And I, and I probably didn't execute it in the right way either. But it worked out because it's kind of catchy and short. And it is an athletic style of yoga. So I have gotten some criticism because people will say it's not a sport. And I'm like, trust me, I know this and we do not teach that it is. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I never knew that story. I mean, I, I knew about the training part of your career, but I didn't know that story. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I only I forget about it. You know, I forget that that's even how we started, because initially, too, I was we were going to be over um, by White Rock Lake and oh. um, that lease fell through. So, yeah, so it's kind of interesting, but it all worked out in the sense of like, I think. Um, the style that we teach, as you know, is really athletic, but not pretzely. So it's, it's accessible for people, but it's also physically challenging. So people, people that maybe are unsure about trying yoga, or they're a little like they don't want to kind of woo style, it attracts them, and we get them in the door with the physicality, and then we keep them with, you know, the, the life transformation. Yeah. So that's it. So it all evolved in the way that it was supposed to, but it, we were talking about that a minute ago, like the intention of a brand and the intention of what you're doing. And, and that's such a cool thing. I think, especially right now, we were talking about how COVID's changing all of our lives. And so it's like, you started with one concept and it evolved into another. And that's sort of like yoga in a way that like, that you kind of have to evolve with things. So how did you sort of let go of that step-by-step and take it as what it was supposed to be and not what you had set out for it to be? Or did it just force you to do that? I think it just forced me, you know, it, I don't remember a ton about the early years. I've been doing a lot more visualization <laughs> and memory work um, and some of my mindfulness training. And so it's it's been kind of sparking and opening up some of that for me, but I have always been kind of driven forward. So I didn't, I'd have to think about that, but I know there's definitely been a couple sticking points where I had to like it was just like the universe forced me. I wasn't necessarily like excited about it because <laughs> I am Italian and I'm pretty darn stubborn. So, you know, uh-huh. yeah. um, but, you know, I think for just sur- survival reasons, I had to decide that it wasn't going to be focused on athletes. It just wasn't working. And I think that's why your business has always done so well, though, that like, I don't know if I'd call you stubborn. I mean, I just think you're a strong woman and um, dare we say type A, but, you oh, know, totally. Yeah. Type a. <laughs> and, but, but, you know, that's always the case with the yoga instructors. Sometimes I think that's one of the reasons I was so attracted to your studio is like I would go there and it was organized and it started on time and it finished on time. And I knew what I was getting, but to some degree, but then like the actual yoga piece of it for whatever reason, you sort of transform and then it does become a transformative experience too. So it's like you have structure, but yet it's has that yoga piece to it also. I don't know how you balance that. Yeah, that's a that's something that took a long time to cultivate in the studio. And, you know, I was young when I opened, I was 26. So yeah. I didn't really have a lot of, I didn't have any experience managing people. And I, you know, had no idea how to run a business. Um, I was fortunate in that my job before that was at a small advertising agency. And so that really gave me a ton of, I remember, this was so funny. I remember calling fast signs and I wanted a vinyl banner for Lemon Avenue because for those of you not in Dallas, Lumban Avenue is a really busy street. So it's just prime real estate to put out a nice big banner about our, you know, new sale or whatever. And I remember saying like, um, I don't even remember what it was, but I, you know, vinyl 
white background with grommets and this and that and, you know, just asking for the quote. And the, the guy thought I was a competitor because he couldn't believe that a yoga studio owner like knew how to properly order a banner for uh-huh. printing. Yeah. He thought you were getting like intel from your competitor. I love it. Yeah. Which, you know, these days would be insulting, but it, this was 16 almost 17 years ago mm-hmm. at this point. So there, there just wasn't a ton of yoga out there and the yoga that was out there, there weren't any corporate places. No. It was mostly mom and pops. Most of us didn't have business experience, you know, just the yeah. tech technician opening a business. But you're right. There was, it wasn't like it is today. No. At all. Not even close. And we thought the market was saturated when I opened, which is sort of comical. Uh-huh. But yeah, I mean, I think going back to the piece of consistency is that's something that I really um, strive for in my life and in in any kind of community that I create is you know one thing that I didn't like when I would go to studios was just what you said like I could not stand that I had to bring my watch in or Mm -hmm. that I couldn't trust some teachers would run 15 minutes over and I was like I have stuff to do Mm -hmm. Um, and so I could never really relax Mm -hmm. and I I felt like it was you know there's a lot that can go into that. That could be a whole nother podcast. But um, so, you know, it took a while as I started and you took my first teacher training, which is wild. Um, oh, was that your first teacher training? That was my first official 200 hour. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, just kind of developing my own teachers, my own style, my own model for, you know, what I wanted in the space. And that was five years after you opened that you started teacher training. That's pretty fast, really. Yeah, it's funny nowadays people open a studio and they run training like instantly, but it's just a different world. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, it's just a whole different ballgame right now. And what is your style of yoga for people listening? So it's originally based in the Baptiste method, which is a power yoga. It's called power vinyasa, which is, you know, there's a lot of different discussions on this. But in my in in my definition of it, a power yoga is the yoga where you hold poses for a long time. And there's just this really strong power piece of strength. And then the vinyasa, the flow part is sort of the, the movement, you know, chaturanga, up dog, down dog, and then connecting things. So if it's a purely vinyasa flow style, there's a lot more movement throughout the whole class. If it's truly just power, you're going to hold for a long time. And so this kind of combines the two, which I really enjoy. It gives you, it gives you some flexibility as a teacher. Um, it, you can really push your students. You can kind of read the room and give them what they need energetically. It's like cardio and um, strength. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the beginnings of, I guess, the beginnings of your business, um, you were talking about this, we're talking about teacher training. Did you always know that you wanted to treat or teach teachers or was that just sort of organically happened? Um, I think I knew I wanted to, but, you know, for the first four or five years, I was just trying to keep it going, keep the doors open, Uh you know, and and figure everything out. I didn't hire a manager till my seventh year, which I will say is the biggest mistake I made, um, is not getting help sooner, but I was so in the thick of the everyday, which is not ideal. Mm -hmm. But then when I did develop it, I mean, I absolutely, to this day, it's one of my absolute favorite things to do, you know, how many have you done now teacher trainings? Well, I do at least, I do like one to three a year, depending on, situations. And then I did a few 300 hours as well, but that that's a whole big beast. So that's, I only do that every once in a while. Um, but this year, now that we're doing them online, I, we did three. So, and we'll, well, we won't do another one this year. We'll do one probably January, February. So that's remarkable that you can do it online. How does that, 
work? I mean, I, I, the accountability is the same. You know that someone's, it's all live, I'm guessing. How it's did- not. So what's interesting about the online is I actually created my 200 hour teacher training online last year, pre-COVID. Oh. And I was working on an online business for my, my life coaching. And my friend who I ended up hiring to help me with my online business, he's just like the online guru, I call him. <laughs> He said to me, you, you should do an online yoga business. And I was like, you know, Tom, I don't want to do yoga online. And at the time there, you love being with people. That's one thing I know about you. I love being with people. And I was so exhausted in my business and my yoga studio. And I, I was really burned out. And so I was equating yoga with stress, which is obviously the opposite of what you want. Um, and so I was (laughs) looking for something different, but he said, you know, you can do this in your sleep and Mm -hmm. this is a really good product and you can do it really well. So just do your training online. So I recorded a bunch of my live training and then I, I, um, I created the modules. It's, it's phenomenal. I mean, I'll give you access to it. I mean, I'm so proud of it just because it's, it's, you know, it's the way I operate. It's so organized and it actually made me go into my training and organize it even more so. And just really like, here's the main eight teaching techniques and here's the 20 tools that you use. And, um, it's all broken up by pose and anatomy and assisting and, you know, just all the different things. And then the coaching transformation aspect and their, their modules. So you, there's it, all the content is in the membership site. And then we do two to three calls a week live. Okay. So the, the cool thing about it is that I'm not, the part I didn't love at the end was like, I am kind of not super pumped about teaching someone how to teach warrior one anymore. Like I, I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. I don't hate it, but it, it doesn't light me up. Right? right. So you watch the video on how to teach warrior one and the anatomy and all that. And then you come prepared to our discussion and we can dive deeper into it and we can workshop it and I can coach you on your teaching and all that kind of stuff. That makes sense. Yeah. And, but don't you kind of have to watch someone's practice to make sure because you want to make sure people are safe so how do you Mm -hmm. do that yeah we do live classes so we and now I have a membership site so one in May we I closed actually on our 16th birthday it was your birthday yeah (laughs) yeah I I mean I obviously did that on purpose but Uh yes I I was like I'm gonna make it to 16 darn it 16 Um, years yeah it was kind of poetic um we closed on that day (laughs) and we had already been physically our doors had been closed for two months since March yeah yeah So we were doing everything online already. And like I said, the year before, I had already figured all this out. So we were doing live Zoom classes with the teacher trainers. Now we transition the studio where we had live classes on Zoom. And so you can see everyone on Zoom. We just have to require that their camera's on for teacher training, you know. And then that's how they learn to teach. They teach with each other. They do small groups. You can do breakout rooms. So just like in our in-studio training, we break them up into small groups. They go off and teach, and I can pop into the groups just like I do in the studio, um, help coach them. And then now they – I mean, we we definitely elevate it. So – you know, a lot of times in online trainings, it's all just self-led and then they just take a silly test and it's over. Sometimes they don't even take a test. So there's a, there's the same thing, a test, but then there's also, they have to hand in a 60 minute class and they get three pages of feedback. Most people don't pass the first time and they have to redo it. So I know I did it the second time. I thought that was the hardest thing. Well, and it's funny because honestly, like now as an online trainee, you almost have to do more because you have to show that you can teach a full class. Yeah. Which we didn't have time to do that in the studio. No. You know what I mean? No, no, we never did that. I can't come to think of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So it's cool because, um, I think there's the, there's the accountability piece where, you know, we've all been to trainings where you show up, but you're not really there. Mm -hmm. So, 
if people want to get certified, they have to go through and do the work. Some people don't. They just want to do the training for experience, and that's awesome. Yeah. And then or, others really want to get certified and teach. And I think I was more go for the experience. Yeah. And it was an amazing experience at that time in my life. I, I can't tell you. I mean, I, I think about it. I don't like you. I mean, there's certain parts of my memory that don't remember it, but overall it was just so integral to that stage of my life. It was amazing. What made you decide? So like it wasn't in the cards to close the studio on your 16th birthday in May. That wasn't, you never thought that that was going to happen. Well, to be honest, I was going to close the studio by December of this year. Okay. That was going to happen. No one knew that. Right. Okay. But I was so burned out. My lease was up. That was the plan, unless something happened where I could sell it. And I I looked into that, worked with some brokers. And, um, you know, if there was a huge shift somehow, I was open to that. But I was sort of you working in that direction. I was ready. Um, you know, the, the market changed a lot. There was just a lot of struggle. Um, I live far from the studio. I have two little mm -hmm. kids. And I was always wondering how that was going. That was a bit of a commute for you. Yeah. And it was okay because I, up until the very end, I had a full-time manager, but that kind of went south um, with a bad hire. So, you know, there was just some stress around it. It's such a small studio and every single person that worked there was so integral to the success of it. Yes. And so it just, I mean, you know, when you're managing people and in the situation, it, it's hard to be in both places at once. And I had hoped that by then it would kind of run on its own. And what I figured out with that type of business is I don't know that it ever would. You have to be, you're the face of it. Yeah. You have to be involved in it. And if you're burnt out, that's not. Yeah. And it was just time to do something different. Mm -hmm. So we, so, so COVID kind of said, yeah, we're going to nudge this forward a yeah. few months, Yeah, but it was going to happen anyway. Yeah. And you had already started. I mean, I know I had seen the Angela Wagner brand already. Mm -hmm. And that, is that what you had already been calling your teacher training? Yeah. I had trans transitioned the teacher training over a long time ago. We still use the yoga sport yoga school logo on it. But like with officially, it was always Angela Wagner teacher training. Um, yeah, I started that brand about 10 years ago with my and it was supposed to just be my life coaching business. And then it, it's just evolved. Mm -hmm. So and so like when I see that, it does feel a little different to me than when I see yoga sport, which I knew in 2005, when I was a baby in Dallas, you know, yeah. and it just has like a more um, adult feeling to it. And yeah. it, it does feel like it has experience and pedigree and not that yoga sport doesn't, but I mean, and also that's partially because I know you, but are you happy with how this has all evolved? And yeah, I really like it. And I think one of the things that, that's neat that COVID did that was not something I had intended, um, cause I wasn't sure I was going to continue the teacher training, right. The online, I didn't know, like I ran it once with a small group, and it worked. But again, like the market wasn't super open to the idea. I wasn't totally sold on it. And then COVID hit. And as this was all happening, the teachers were like, what can we do to help? And so we all just started creating videos. And I already had Kajabi's like an online course What's site. What's it called? Kajabi. Okay. Um, and so I had, you know, the 200 hour teacher training was already in Kajabi. I'd already everything set up. I already knew how to do all of it. So I just started putting videos of yoga on there. The teachers started doing short videos, long videos, and all the live classes we taught on Zoom were in there. And I gave access to my members for a month for that. Okay. So what happened was when we closed, we were able to transition that. So it's kind of neat. We still have the brand of Yoga Sport. It's called Yoga Sport On Demand. Yeah. And now that. that's like the main yoga um, that we do. And what we do instead of, it's not a live studio, so it's on demand and you can go in there and there's classes from like 10 minutes to 60. 
there's some old school ones of me teaching in the studio that are audios. It's really <laughs> fun, you know, um, and we're every month we're developing new content. We have a special every month. Like this month was um, monkey mind mastery. So it was all on um, meditation, visualization, mental stuff. Um, and then we do, we call them, we used to call them pop-ups, but they're planned. So I changed that. <laughs> yeah. So they're not really pop-ups. So we do virtual live classes. So we do anywhere from like six to 10 a month. Okay. And then anybody in the membership site gets access to those for free. And then other people can drop in. They can just Venmo the teacher. Is so. there a, um, so yoga sport demand, is it a monthly fee that people pay? Yeah. They either pay monthly or they can pay annually. Okay. Yeah. And they would have access to all the content. There's not like tiers or anything. If you join, you join. You join, you join, you get all the access and you get all the access to everything. We we were doing like a, we would try a few different things. So we decided we just give them all the content up front and then they access it whenever they want. So what are you saying to your diehards? You know, all the people that you've, you know, that come to your studio regularly, how are they finding a routine during COVID with on-demand yoga? What are they doing? Well, you know, it's just like, when we had classes, it, it's just that you have to be more disciplined, right? So before you think, okay, I'm going to go to the 615 class on Tuesday, Angela teaches that it's amazing, <laughs> right? And so first, I, I for people that love that, I always say, you know, look at the live schedule and, and schedule those in. That's a no brainer. But um, with the on demand, you just have to schedule it into your calendar before you do anything, mm -hmm. right? So you say, and that's what I do. It's like, okay, you know, after I drop the kids off, when I get home between 9.30 and 10.30, that's when I'm doing my yoga, yeah. you know? And I think there's a lot of people that used to go to the studio that are very similar to me in the sense of like type A and it's got to be 60 minutes, it's got to be heated, you know? And we have to kind of let some of that go now because, well, life is different. Um, I've had to let some of that go just being a mom, right? It's like my body isn't the way it used to be. I don't have time. Sometimes I don't get the sleep I used to, you know? My life is not all my own choice. And so, you know, the, the fact that you can go and do a 20 minute practice, you know, you have, if you're caught up in the all or nothing syndrome, I call it, where you have to do all of it, 60 or nothing, then, you know, you won't get what you need. And so anything is better than nothing. And, and so I love that. And you were always, I feel like the module or like the way the yoga practice worked before it was 90 minutes when it was really, really complete. It was 90 minutes. So initially back in the day, yeah. you're old school. So yes, that actually changed over the years. That's one of the things that changed at, at the end. Everything was 60 or okay. I think we might've had two classes that were 75 minutes. And then some studios were doing 30 and 45. I mean, our life, it's just, people won't commit to that anymore. No, but mm -hmm. I remember thinking even then that was a long time. But what I yeah. have found is that I do love that practice, but as I've gotten older and in this stage of my life, I love like a deep stretch yeah. or a really slow class. Um, I don't know. I just have found that I'm not as hardcore as I used to yeah, be, totally. nor is my body. <laughs> I know. Well, that's just it. You know, and I love, I love that we can kind of adjust to it, but that's what next month we're doing. I have a guest teacher who teaches yin yoga, which mm -hmm. is deep stretch. And so we have, you know, He's got like a yoga for anxiety, yoga for immune boosting. We did a lot of stuff that have to do with kind of what's happening right now. Um, and then a whole series, breaths work series. So he's going to pop in for a month and we'll have all that content, which I think is very, you know, very needed in the election month. <laughs> Absolutely. November, everyone's going to need some yoga. Oh my God, girl. <laughs> Can we just like do yoga, nationwide yoga on November 3rd? I think yes. that would be an amazing idea. <laughs> well, we're, it's funny. We're doing, um, my, when I teach Jolene's teaching, um, I put her on Monday night at 7.30. I said, we need a pre-election flow. <laughs> we all need to come together and just move our bodies. That's right. <laughs> it's a free flow. 
Yes. I love it. The queue is brought to you by Folio. Located in the iconic Meadows building in Dallas, Texas, Folio is a boutique rep agency which seeks to connect interior designers with creative resources. We would love to connect with you in real life. Please visit our website to set up an appointment, folioco.com, and follow us on Instagram at folioco. All of our listeners are creative people, and we always like to tie in that sort of creativity piece. I mean, do you consider yourself a creative person? It's funny. I don't, but everyone around me does. Yeah. Isn't that funny? So I think because I think of creative people like you or artists and, you know, but then I think about what I've done over the years with branding. You've created something. Angela. Right. And so I think <laughs> I, you know, and my favorite thing is to create content for workshops and, mm-hmm. and all that. So I think I am. It just doesn't look like a pretty picture, you know. But it does. I mean, I think your branding is beautiful. And I personally think it has such a creative piece to it. What would you say though to creatives who are listening? What do you, because I feel like you've worked with a lot of creatives over the years. What do you feel like a yoga practice can do for them? Oh gosh. You know, what I've found is when I'm practicing, I have, it's like I need a journal next to my mat because all these pathways of creativity open. Okay. And then when I'm not practicing, I feel completely stuck and uninspired. And so when, when I feel that, I realize, oh my gosh, I need to get back on my yoga mat. And then it, it's crazy. It's just because your body moving, breathing, it releases some of those spaces that are stuck. And I know it sounds so crazy, but it, it truly is. And, and, and there's some physiology that's happening there too, but um, it really does open up your brain to just all this different possibility. You start remembering things, you start thinking of things in a different way. And for anyone who maybe they haven't ever had a yoga practice or maybe they aren't athletic or, you know, how would, what would you recommend as a starter, like the 20 minute class or just some, how would you recommend that they kind of ease into it? Yeah. So I'm glad you asked me that. We didn't even talk about this. You don't even know this. So I just created an online um, workshop that someone can buy. I think it's on sale for like $27. It's called couch to 60. And so (laughs) (laughs) the idea is that, yes. Uh So it's for people that have either never done yoga. It's basically our online beginner program, but it's also for people that haven't done the practice in a while. So it, it can be either. And what we do is we start with a 20 minute practice and we do the same practice I over four weeks. Yeah, you, I'll, I'll give you access. And so we do the same practice over four weeks and we build them up to the 60 minute practice. And then, and there's different parts. So you can just flow for however long we tell you. Then we have a foundational workshop video that breaks down the poses, you know, so it's, it's just like being in, being in the studio and really learning it step by step. And then gradually, because what happens for a lot of people that either haven't done it in a while or have never done it is they'll go to a full class, they'll get through it, but then they're so sore, they're exhausted. They don't Mm -hmm. really know what they were doing. They didn't really know what they were doing. They didn't feel successful. And then they don't go back. Absolutely. And that's, you just said the key thing and you want to feel, feel successful and feel like it was a healthy experience. Yeah because then it's gratifying and you keep doing it, but you want it to be hard enough that you want to keep doing it too. Exactly. You have to have the challenge. So it's called couch to 60. Couch to 60. So yeah. It's How on do the they website. get it at yogasportondemand.com or what's No, there? no. So uh, everything's under angelawagner.com. Okay. And then there's a link on there, couch to 60. Okay. Yeah. Um, that sounds really super. I'm actually going to be checking that out because I feel super stuck in my yoga practice right now. And I think a slow start would be really good for me. I think it's great for anybody that's, you know, like I said, either learning or if you're, I mean, a lot of us have been on the couch a lot this Uh year, you know, even like working, I sit on the couch, you know, know. I've gotten where I stand in my kitchen because I'm going, I can 
not sit on my couch or sit in a chair any longer. That's what I did. I was totally standing and working the other day. I finally, I just got off my butt the other day and I was like, two weeks ago, I was like, this, this can't happen anymore. I just had to restart everything, all my habits. So I put my Fitbit back on. I'm doing 10,000 steps a day. The dog and I are walking every day. I'm back on my yoga mat, but it took a while. I mean, there's, there's an emotional toll that's happening right now for people. So absolutely. When there's a lot of, you know, uncertainty and fear in the world, um, it, it definitely does take an emotional toll for sure. Yeah. And yoga can be a great way to sort of combat that. I like the idea though, what you said for creatives, um, there are certain spaces that I can go to where it opens up my creative channels, but you said something really powerful in that, like there's a physiological piece to yoga and opening things up that can also open up channels of creativity. And for me, it's my hips. Oh yeah. So like when my hips are tight, it's like the whole world stops. And so, um, what is that? Like, what is that physiological piece? It's just really powerful. And unless you've experienced it, it's, it's undescribable in a way, but it is something. Oh, it's definitely something. I mean, there's a lot to it, but I mean, some of, I think one of the basic things that most people kind of relate to is just that when you're in pain or you're uncomfortable in your body, that's where your attention goes. Yeah. And so it might not even be conscious, right? You may not be sitting until it gets really bad. When it's really bad, then you know, and that's all you think about. But before that, a lot of the way that we move or don't move, the decisions we make about what to do or not to do are really focused around what we're feeling in our bodies. Even subconsciously. Even subconsciously. And so if you aren't releasing some of that and you're not taking care of yourself in that way, you don't even have the the capacity, right? And you're not in that open space to be thinking about creation and new things. Yeah. So the Angela, so it's all transferred to Angela Wagner. So if anyone wants to do the yoga on demand, they just need to go to the website and they can sign up for particular workshops or classes, or they can even do the on demand program. Yeah, exactly. The membership, all of it's on there. Yoga sport on demand, the couch. Yeah. And I'm always creating new things, the teacher training. It's all there. And how do you, so something we deal with, um, the reason I bring this up, so AngelaWagner.com, that is you, that is your brand and it's you. And there's this whole thing that we deal with in our industry about intellectual property. You know, design has become just so, um, I don't know, um, common in a way, but it's still just not. I mean, creativity is can still be so unique. Not everything's been done, right? And not everything can be done. And there are it, there is a big intellectual property piece to it. Like I have maybe this rug design. This was, you know, this was inspired by Art Deco jewelry boxes. And the designer, you know, created this design on her own though. But in, granted, she had an inspiration point, but it is her design. So if someone were to take that design and make something else out of it, like that's not cool. So how do you protect, that's something creatives deal with. How do you protect your intellectual property and your brand and your business? That that's actually been a challenge through the years. I mean, I remember having to call another studio and say, like, you can't take a quote from one of my students and put it on your website. So you need to take it down. (laughs) And I've had people copy word for word my marketing copy for stuff, you know, and they thought because they were this affiliated with the same teacher that they could Mm -hmm. just like take it. So yeah, I think that's interesting. I'm really, you know, even in my trainings um, on my website and, you know, when you sign up for my stuff, I'm pretty clear about, you know, that everything under my brand's um, is I say that. And I, I just also like to come from the standpoint of saying like, thank you for honoring my work. Yes. yes. You know, um, because, you know, we are in such a society where everything is shared so openly, which in some ways is really good. But I mean, people are taking like photographers photos and using them and it's like, what? That's not okay. But we're all on Instagram all the time and everyone thinks everything can just be screenshot and shared. So yeah, I think 
I think holding that integrity is key. And, and it, it, sometimes it's not so much as what we say, it's how we live our lives too. And yeah. I always go back to that Maya Angelou quote is like, when we know better, we do better. Yeah. And so a lot of times it's not that people are, you know, purposely taking property or, you know, they might go, I'm inspired by that too, such that I'm going <laughs> to recreate it. But it's educating <laughs> people in an honorable way too. That totally. this is, um, thank you so much for loving my work. And, you know, I really love that. And here's how you can use my work and educating people. I think so. I, what I've been studying the last couple of years, um, with a teacher who specializes in environmental toxins and, and coming from that health space of removing a lot of the toxins in our lives. And it's been really fascinating. And her work is, she's so brilliant. And the amount of time and love Gosh, and energy, that's a lot. That's it's a, a lot. And it's a, a subject that not a lot of people know about. So her stuff gets taken and used verbatim all the time, even from her students. So she, I've learned a lot from her and the way she communicates. She's very straightforward, but very loving. And, and mm -hmm. this is what you can do. This is what you can't do. And this is why. And it's, I appreciate it, you know? Yeah. You sounds like you've learned a lot from her. Yeah. So speaking of that, like teachers, so teachers have teachers. Yeah. Who are some of your favorite teachers that you've learned the most from? It doesn't have to be yoga people, but. Oh gosh. So she's one of my newer teachers. Um, let me think, you know, I have a, mentor that I've had for a while. His name's Henry Lopez. And, um, he worked with my, my dad volunteers. Um, he's actually the president now of, uh, it's called score and, um, they help entrepreneurs with their businesses for free. It's really pretty neat organization. And, um, so Henry was working for them. And, um, so he's worked with me, oh gosh, seven years maybe. And so he's seen the business go through a lot. It's been really nice to have someone that is invested and cares about it. Um, so he's been a, a huge teacher. He's a on, serial entrepreneur has owned and sold, bought all kinds of businesses. So it's been really okay. fun to work with him. That's super. Yeah. We have to have mentors and teachers. I feel like I have so many people that are in my, it's like, I know, okay, when this is going, I'm going to call so-and-so. So, -and -so. Yes. so I feel like I have different people for different things. Yes. How do young people in creative worlds, creating businesses like yours and ours, how do they know who their mentors are and how do they find, you know, trust the right people to coach them or to go to? That's a good question. I mean, I, I think, you know, you find people in your industry, um, find someone that's a couple steps ahead of you, honor their time, right? Assume yeah. that, that, that you, you either, some people, you know, will do it for free for sure. But then, you know, just, just being kind of aware of what you're asking. Um, but it just kind of, I think it happens sort of naturally, like you find the right people. Um, yeah, when we're living our, when we're living in that great energy, the exactly. right people always come to us. The people that are supposed to be with us are with us. I've always believed that. It, exactly. And I think, you know, you learn, I've learned from so many different people. I mean, one of the women that was my manager for three years, you know, and she, she's one of my absolute best friends now. She would say that I'm her mentor, but I say she's mine, you know, mm -hmm. and so... I, I mean, even today, one of the questions you asked, I was like, I'm going to ask what your answer to this is because I was curious, you know, uh -huh. but um, she's like my biggest cheerleader and always kind of reminding me of the really good things. And so, you know, I, I think sometimes your your teachers come in, in different packages than you might expect. Absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes it's our little ones. Oh, my gosh. They're the biggest teachers ever. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that amazing? These little like three foot creatures are... <laughs> Little Neanderthals. I know. I know. We've. It's isn't it amazing to think like we've um, 
I don't know. I feel like in a certain way, we've like grown up together in our adult lives. Totally. It's so good to see you. I know you too. It just is like warms my heart. And I feel like you were, um, I don't know, you've been an integral parts of my life for growth, for sure. So one of them was the teacher training. I want to make sure that um, teacher training has no bias, right? Like anyone, I mean, not anyone, but talk to me about who can be a teacher trainer who's listening. They might go, I want to be a teacher trainer. I'm going to do online teacher training. Like talk to us about who's it. Well, honestly, I mean, so the last couple of trainings I ran, I would say more half to more than half don't want to teach yoga. It's like they were just looking for something transformative. Yeah. And because I, and I talk about life coaching kind of a general way and it, I don't even like to say I'm a life coach because it, I don't know, <laughs> it just has this like weird sense to it. And, you know, people have different definitions of what that even means, but it's really just about yoga off the mat, which means looking at our lives, right? Like the way we do things the way we think our mindfulness practice. I mean, it, it encompasses a lot. It encompasses, um, the way we eat, the way we operate with our loved ones. And so that kind of work is my absolute favorite. And we do, as you know, we do a ton of that in the teacher training yes. as well, because in, and the theory behind that, cause people are like, why? I'm like, well, trust me, I will teach you how to teach yoga. I will teach you. I love anatomy. We, you, we, you will understand the body. You will know how to cue because I'm not going to teach a teacher training where we don't do those things. Mm -hmm. However, you can, a monkey can do that, right? Like anybody can study those things and learn them. But if you aren't comfortable in your own skin yeah. and you aren't truly there for the right reasons and there to make an impact on someone else and not your own ego, then you're not going to do what you're meant to be doing teaching yoga. And so we have to break some of that down and really look at who we are and why we're doing what we're doing. So some people will come to the training just for that. Some people come for connection, the community. I mean, I ran a training, the first online one after COVID and oh, it was so, it was the coolest experience. We had 20 people all every time zone, all over the country. And it was such 20 an people. Yeah. Right so, during COVID. Right smack. Like I think we started it mid-April. That had to be so powerful. I can't even tell you. There were so many days where I, we couldn't even do yoga. We were just, uh, every single one of us was crying <laughs> and working through what was happening, uh -huh. you know? So, and, and it, so every training looks different. Yeah. It's really like, you know. The group makes such a difference. The group makes such Yeah, a I remember our group was so cool and such an such a diverse, cool, interesting group of ladies. We had all ladies, right? Did we have, we didn't have any. Yeah, you, yeah, you guys were all ladies, Um yeah, I think, you know, if you want to do something for yourself and challenge yourself, then just do it. And I tell people if they don't want to teach you, you, know, you don't have to go through and finish and cert certify. So don't get stressed about that. But just standing up in front of a group and teaching will help you become better at anything you do, right? It's going to help you be more assertive in your job. It's going to help you be, you know, more confident in your relationships. It's going to make you feel better in your body. But for what you're right. And the piece for me, and I don't know if you've heard this before was for me, it's like, I'm a people, I'm a recovering people pleaser, yeah. but it's like, but that is actually kind of an insular way of living. Right. Cause you're kind of like in this in, etern, internal sort of mind, um, circle, like, like a gerbil, I don't know, on a wheel. Yeah. And when you have to teach yoga, you have to get off that wheel because you cannot even be thinking about yourself. You just have to be watching the room, looking at the class. And, and I feel like for me, that was a, a big part of that cycle break. Yeah. One of my teachers has the best quote. I think it, I think it was in the manual from the start is, um, teaching is an act of self-forgetting, mm -hmm. self-forgetting, self-forgetting. So, you know, and it's, 
so people are like, oh, that sounds so awful and hard. I'm like, no, it's so freeing. Mm-hmm. Like it's the t- it's for 60 minutes. I am not thinking about myself. I am not worrying about my own problems. I am stepping out of, you know, that that small mindedness and being there for other people. And when you show up for other people, you feel better. Like it really it's to me, it's therapeutic. I wrote this down because I think I know what it is um, with you. So not everyone can be a teacher of teachers, but I just had this sort of moment, this thought with you and it's intuition. Like you have a crazy intuition. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do. But it's been honed over the years. But it's always been there. I remember just knowing you from the beginning and like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can feel stuff. I remember like, how does she know we're all having like that whatever kind of day? It's like, how does she know? I remember when you'd be teaching, yeah. you know, the things that you would would touch on. So this has been amazing and fun. And are, is there one thing I know this is like a big question. I remember you text me last night. You're like, really, Jess? But um your legacy to the yoga community. It doesn't have to be like, you know, this big thing, but what is it now? And maybe what is it later? It's going to be an evolving thing. Yeah. That, and I was like, wow, that's a big question. I love legacy questions though. It's- yeah, no, I do too. I, I thought it was great. Um, so no, that's actually the one that I asked Nicole, my, my friend that I call my soul sister. And she said, anything and everything with you, my first word is integrity. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's why I love her to death. I'm like, damn girl, that's not what I was thinking about. Okay. Um, <laughs> You're like, that's not where I was going. I was going with like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of going somewhere else, but um, that is something that I'm huge with. Um, and it's, it sounds so obvious. Like, well, of course, I mean, no one thinks they're out of integrity, but um, it can mean a lot of different things. So from a standpoint of training teachers, it's huge, mm-hmm. right? Really having integrity for your own practice, your own life, your own choices? Are you showing up authentically or are you kind of, you know, on the soapbox, but not really living the life, living the life. And that doesn't mean like, I, I mean, I literally have gained 10 pounds over COVID. It does not mean you're a stick figure or you're skinny and you're eating properly all the time, (laughs) but it means that when I, I will admit that I am doing the things I'm doing and the struggles along the way so that I can then teach those to other people versus hiding them and pretending that I'm doing something else. Absolutely. So that's the integrity piece. It doesn't mean that you have to. Being honest with where you are and who you are and what yeah. you're about. And, and that's, you know, when you go back to that real talk, that's that's what it is. Real talk is mm-hmm. is being an integrity. Uh, it's much more freeing. You know, I think we live in a society where we're, we're all see these perfect pictures. and Like Instagram, look at their feed and it's not ever, you know. Yeah. I mean, think about when we started and we met. I mean, there weren't even smartphones. No. <laughs> Do right? I have a Nokia? I don't even know. I, I had a Blackberry. Actually, I, I, I know for phone. a fact I had a Blackberry. I think I had a razor flip And that phone. was really hard for me to give that Blackberry up. I remember when the iPhone came out. I'll never forget the multiple conversations. The company I was working with I was like, can we please get you an iPhone? I was like, mm. I remember I, having um, Trio or I don't know what it was. Yeah, but you're right. There was. Yeah, it was, was different. It was different. And now there's just this whole image piece of things that, um, yeah, it's it's a lot. Yeah. But and then, then as a student, I think it's important to have integrity and in, for yourself, like, and what that can look like and what I try to teach on the mat and in my coaching work is just for us to be real about what we're experiencing, mm-hmm. like allow, allow ourselves to be open to different possibilities, but also to be okay with the imperfections. And, yeah. you know, like we're, yes, we're always looking to grow they say you grow or you die, but that doesn't mean that where I am right now 
is bad, right? Like the first iPhone was amazing. Mm -hmm. Now it looks like pretty crappy compared to now, but it's like everything is a progression. And so uh, some of the integrity piece that I think is so key for everyone with yoga is to have that self-love and grace with yourself while you're growing, whether it's working through and learning a physical practice in your body, whether it's going through something, you know, challenging in your life or your relationships. But um, that's my, my favorite thing is to really help people in that, in that manner, because it's life is short. It is just not worth, it's not worth it. But yoga kind of encourages us and has always encouraged me. And I think, and anyone I speak to about yoga, this is something that is universally true is that it encourages me to be in the moment. And like, mm-hmm. that is my biggest life lesson is because when I can find myself in the moment, enjoying this moment with you, enjoying you know, dinner, that moment with my husband and daughter and not being so worried about what's next, that's like the happy place for me. And I think Absolutely. yoga fosters that. We just did a, I just did a workshop this weekend that I partnered with one of my yoga students who's a therapist and she uh, specializes in grief and trauma work. Oh, and gosh. so we, yeah, I know. <laughs> and so we did a, it was a live workshop, but you can actually purchase it for pretty inexpensive on the website. Um, it's called survive to thrive. And the whole focus was around, you know, navigating survive life right now, now, because we've all been in survival mode for eight plus months. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that's sustainable. And so our habits, our patterns, our thinking, everything has shifted and our entire world has shifted. So we really work through a lot of that. But um, one of the things that the whole second part of is about reconstruction, rebuilding life now. And we talked about what have we gained in in this season, which is not something we think about often in COVID season. But that gift of being present because, mm-hmm. you know, those of us that are type A, we've been fighting this for eight months, but we can't really plan because we don't know when we're going to be able to go to Paris again, you know, or whatever, but right? Isn't like, it kind of nice? Well, there's so much freedom in it, right? Yes. I kind of loved it. I, it being took an me over a while. planner, yes. I'm loving it. I'm like, I don't know if I can do that or not. I don't know. Yeah. yeah I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so it's really, really forced us. We, uh-huh. we can't plan. And in a way, I think, yeah, I agree. I think it's beautiful. It's- I, yeah, I loved it. It's been, I think it's also um, this coolest thing happened. I was having a pity party here at the studio and I put my hands on my head one day and I was just like, oh, why COVID now? You know, it just <laughs> literally opened the doors to the studio and all this happened yeah. literally. And Juan, you, you know, I don't know how well you know Juan, my husband, but you know, he's just like the most normal human that's ever existed. And he, he said, well, because you needed some time to get set up and get ready. And this is it. It's just so simply put and yeah. like, oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. It's exactly what it is. But it's sometimes we get exactly what we need. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it. you know, it is such a tough time, but I think it's useful time spent figuring out what we have gained and what we can take from this, even though it's challenging. Because we do have to live differently. We do. And we have to find comfort in that and solace and routine. And and because otherwise it's like we're thinking, where's our mask? Where's this? Well, now we can kind of know well, our mask is always here. And I know I can go to the store during this time and yeah. finding our new routines and safe spaces. And Yeah, I just hung a hook right um, at the entryway where the laundry is. I was like, okay, this is the mask hook because our masks were like everywhere. It's a great idea. I know. I was like, this isn't going anywhere. We just oh, need one place. A mask hook. That's yeah. It. We need that at our house. So it's right by the laundry room and it's right, you know, it's right by the garage. And so whenever we go in and out, I mean, I keep them in my car too, but the clean ones are always there. No, that's a good idea. Um, Okay. So to end, um, (laughs) 
We'll just do a couple, few rapid fire questions. Most respected yogi. Who do you respect the most in the yogi community? You know, one of my dear friends, Shelly, she is, uh, she owns Dancing Dogs Yoga in Atlanta. She'd love her. She's a firecracker. I love the name Dancing Dogs. Oh, it's so great. We've gotten to know each other actually way better and more in during COVID because we went through this. She had to close one of her studios and um, the other one's open, but she is super politically active and she does not apologize for it. And it's very <laughs> unusual in our industry. We're uh-huh. kind of told to keep our mouths shut. Oh, okay. And with what's happening right now, it, it's been so cool to see her stand in her power and in her voice and not really give a crap. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and well, she so, has a lot of authenticity and a lot of vulnerability and that's attractive. And a ton like. of integrity. And it's, yeah. it's not, it's not for everyone, but, um, she attracts the people that, that really want that. And so I've watched her and I've been a part of some of her stuff and I've just been like really in awe. Yeah, you're right. That takes a lot of vulnerability. That is something to be admired for yes. sure. And then favorite yoga style, just curious. Well, mine's always going to be, you know, power flow. power flow. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Ugh. And then this is a good tool for everyone listening. Best book on meditation to get started. And then like if you're sort of in it. So my favorite is actually still the one that we used in your teacher training. The problem is it's out of print, but you can sometimes find on Amazon, you can find um, old copies and it's called the three minute meditator. We actually had to stop using it in training because we couldn't get a hold of it for everybody. I have one if anyone wants to borrow it. Yeah. It's the best starting yoga book I found because it's, um, it talks about, you know, short meditations. But for me, the thing I love about it the most is a, the writing is just more casual and real. It like is. whereas so Agreed. many meditation books, I'm just like, oh, this is painful. So, I, no one talks like that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then the other thing is that they they talk a lot about the science and really understanding the why about what's happening in your brain. And for me, I think that's super useful. Mm-hmm. But there's also some other good ones. There's Ten um, Percent Happier is a good book that is it Dan Rather. He's a was ABC. No, I not know. Dan Rather. He's the other one. Dan something. Anyway, I can give you the link. He's okay. an ABC contributor and anchor and, and he's done a lot of work. He actually has a podcast now too. I was going to say he has a podcast. I've yeah. listened to it before. Yeah. And it's just, it's a nice, again, like just sort of real talk way of approaching meditation, which okay. I think is more accessible for some people than some of the more traditional teachers. Okay. That sounds cool. Um, I always love Deepak Chopra though. I mean, his voice is fabulous and he always runs like free meditation training. So yeah, there's, there's some great resources and it's really expanded since, you know, you and, and I met. <laughs> and you, it has, and you used to always play at the end of class, um, in the late two thousands. Um, oh gosh, it's going to be on my Spotify. What was Krishna Das? Krishna Das. Yeah. That, but that one song you always, you played it Breath a lot. Of the Breath heart. of the heart. And I still play that. If I'm <sighs> ever just in a space where I need to like totally regroup, I'll just put that on and Palmer loves it. She's like, ah. Oh, like she gets so excited when I play that. I know that brings me back to my trainings with my teacher Baron years ago and every training that was just, I mean, I, I'm getting chills now just thinking about it because, and, and it, it just, I don't know. There's just such impact in Shavasana with that song Krishna after das. you've gone through everything and the practice. And, and so, yeah, it's neat that that's sort of, you know, most Baptist teachers will, will use that in their classes and it's just awesome. I'm going to put that on the website Yeah, too. This has been really fun. Oh, thank you for having me. I can't me. believe that this is how we had a catch-up session. I know. It's kind of ridiculous. Well, you know, life and businesses and momming and... But this is a perfect way to do it. It's, it's great. to be. So thank you so much.
Yes. Thank you. You're one of the, you know, I don't see a lot of people like in the flesh. So this is exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Human interaction. Yeah. Not on Zoom. It's great. Thanks for listening, y'all. Let's keep the conversation going. If you have a story you would like for us to illuminate, please email hello at folioco.com. That's hello at P-H-O-L-I-O-C-O.com. And be sure to subscribe to hear future episodes. 